When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. I'm talking college football with my friend Brad Taylor. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by La Terrain watches and accessories we've got an exciting episode for you today talking college football and i'm joined today by my friend brad taylor brad how you doing i'm doing well thank you for having me Vince stover oh, it's good to have you uh brad hosts the bottom line with brad taylor on espn radio lexington 92.5 and 1300 uh if you live in central kentucky you can hear him there every saturday and sunday uh mornings at nine o'clock very good. Right, yeah. over. You're a guest out there. You don't even know what time you get up. Yes, 9 o'clock. I wake up when you call me, and yeah, then we so. go from there. Uh, but uh, Brad is a host here in Lexington. He's a unique host in Lexington, um, not quite like all the other Lexington hosts, needless to say. But we think that's a good thing. So uh, Brad's with us today to talk some college football. But first, I want to let you know a little bit more about La Terrain Watches and Accessories. Built for the man on the go, the Compass by Law Terrain is primed to take on life's moments. From casually keeping time around the boardroom table to backing you up in tough terrain, style and function go hand-in-hand hand with this wristwatch that offers dependability under any circumstance. Reliable, versatile, great-looking, and easy to wear every day, the Compass is right for you, and it's at a great price. All Law Terrain watches are backed by an international 24-month warranty, to protect against any manufacturer issues, visit law-terrain.com. Use the code SPORTSTOVE. You're going to get 10% off your purchase uh, there for a brand new wristwatch. They've also got some great accessories and things to go with it as well. All right, Brad, we're going to get to Kentucky in a minute because we are here in Lexington. And so there's plenty to talk about when it comes to Kentucky. Uh, but I want to start right off with the big question. Uh, college football is getting ready to kick off. Well, technically, it's already kicked off. But 
for all practical purpose, it's kicking off right now, actually, the big games. Uh, as, we're, as we're doing this show, Ohio State and Minnesota kicking off, but uh, or soon. And uh, let's go to the top four immediately. Um, most people have the same four to six teams in there. Uh, so let's start at the top. Who's, who's your top four that you think is going to be in the playoffs here at the end of it all? Well, I mean, everybody's got Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. And Oklahoma. It's what the desert tells us. Our friends in the desert say those are the four teams. A lot of people, these experts, are saying Georgia would be the first interloper, the first guy to kind of uh, upset the apple cart, so to speak. But if you look at the odds out in the desert, you've got five teams kind of uh, less than 10 to 1, and then everybody else is 30 to 1 just to make this playoff. So it's definitely the haves and the have nots. If you believe in Georgia, which a lot of people do, I don't necessarily believe in them as many as as much as some other teams that could make it in. Yeah, then Georgia might be your uh, quote unquote sleeper play, but it's it's the Big Four, and will the Big Four goof up enough to let somebody else in? At this point, I don't think so. But there are some other teams that could make it into this playoff with some losses by the Big Four. How many undefeated teams are we going to have at the end of the regular season? We are going to go over these over-under totals, yep. and you'll see a lot of 11.5 for Alabama, 11 for Ohio State. So basically you're, the desert is telling us if they're going to lose one game, you'll win your bet out the desert saying, okay, 11.5, you're basically telling me they're going 12-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. I will always go against the 12-0 and 0 team, even Alabama this year. You're going to give me 11.5 in Alabama, especially with all that they lost? It's just statistical probabilities. Let's go under Alabama at 11 and a half. But all these big guys, they're all sitting at 11, 11 and a half. And the desert thinks that they're all going to make it and get those big numbers because that's what the public right now, they're pushing going over a lot of these teams as well. Two teams are predicted or given the over-under win total at 11 and a half, Alabama and Clemson. Um, I personally, and I've said this already on the program, that I think Clemson is the best team in the nation this year. I think that they're, they are going to go undefeated. I think they are going to win the national championship. But they might have more competition in the ACC than they've had in recent years this year alone. And we'll get to the ACC in a moment. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma seem to be the front runners in the four. You mentioned Georgia. Some people have Notre Dame uh, jumping in up there as well. A few other kind of outliers. The team that I'm watching is from the uh, Big 12, and that's Iowa State. Um, I'm big on Iowa State this year. I think that they could do some uh, really uh, big damage to Oklahoma and Texas and and Big 12 and things like that. Matt Campbell, I think, is a good coach. They've got the experience at quarterback this year, which kind of makes the difference for them. Super high expectations. And typically, when you're not the normal major programs, when I hear high expectation, I go, oh, that's not good. But for whatever reason, I'm in on Iowa State this year. When we did our Big 12 preview, I said 10 wins, which is over the nine and a half that they are listed at. But um, they're kind of my dark horse team. They're, they're not a team that I'm picking necessarily to go to the playoffs, but if someone's going to come out of the Big 12 and it's not Oklahoma, I think it's Iowa State. Nobody has better odds other than the Big Five we talked about just now. They're tied for six, 30 to 1 to make these playoffs. And if you look out in the desert, they're going to be favored in 11 out of 12 games. Hmm. So you sit there and you say, okay, let's look down their schedule. If you go by what the desert says, they're going to be 11 to 1. They're going to be a, a dog against Oklahoma. But every other game, they're going to be favored in all these games. So that's a good, you know, if you could get to the Big 12 championship game with one loss, then somehow win that game, boom, you're in the playoff. 
If you haven't figured it out yet, this program is a little different than our normal programs. We don't talk a whole lot of gambling in our podcast because I don't gamble. My dad doesn't gamble. We're usually the ones doing the podcast. Brad, on the other hand, uh, I didn't even make fun of you today when I introduced you as my degenerate gambling friend. But uh, uh, that's that's Brad's whole thing. He does everything. His his uh, radio program is sports from a handicapping perspective. And so uh, although I do not gamble, uh, I think we can learn a lot from lines, even if you don't gamble. As a sports talk host, there's so much you can see what the expectation is, what the thought is, what the uh, the fans are 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 leaning towards those kinds of things tell us a lot. Absolutely. I mean, you don't have to gamble. I mean, the, the Vegas odds, like you said, it tells us everything we want to know. It could help us handicap these games. Who's going to win these games. And what are we in sports talk radio? Now we're fortune tellers. We have to be able to tell you who's going to win these games. We have to be able to tell you what's going to happen in the future. We don't live in the world anymore where you need people to tell you what happened yesterday. We've got videos. We've got the smartphones. We've got YouTube. We've got everything to tell us what happened yesterday. What's going to happen tomorrow? That's what we do. That reminds me, uh, several, well, a month or two ago, you asked me on your program, over or under starting rookie quarterbacks week one. Um, I said over. Now, I had the wrong quarterback in mind, but nonetheless, <laughs> that doesn't that matter, matter, right? That's That's right. He's, he's number three. I said over the two and a half or two, whatever it was. And uh, nonetheless, I only bring that up when I win things and do right. But nonetheless. Isn't that amazing how that works? It yeah, is. Yeah. Truly. When we lose, we just kind of forget about it. It's those ones that you win, you know? Yeah. Keep it coming back. That's right. Uh, let's talk about the ACC for a little bit. Uh, so we've got in the ACC this year, you've got a couple teams that are making some noise, so to say, preseason. Clemson, of course, and then you've got North Carolina and Miami both getting a lot of publicity. Miami's number um, has actually uh, is at nine and a half. North Carolina's is at 10 for their win totals. Um, and I think that number, yeah, that's the same. Okay. Uh, so when we did our ACC preview episode, me and dad, um, that's exactly where everybody was. Clemson at 11 and a half, North Carolina at 10, Miami at nine and a half. I want to start with Miami. Manny Diaz, the head coach, he's 14 and 10 at Miami. Uh, Derek King or Derek King, <laughs> uh, I always say his name wrong. Sixth year. He's been around for a while. So he should be pretty talented. He should be well versed in the offense, all those sorts of things. The biggest question with Miami is his health. So when you're looking at win totals, how much do you factor in the health of the quarterback, especially on a COVID season again? It's all about the quarterbacks, the coaches. And when you see, okay, these win totals out in the desert, what are the biggest things they do? They look at, they look at recruiting rankings over Mm -hmm. the last four to five years. They look at your schedule, who you play, when you play them, where you play them. They also look at your coach and your quarterback. Those are the big four things that these teams look at. Miami, other than their quarterback being around forever, not a whole lot to look at. And now you look at this schedule, you're looking at they play Alabama in the first week of this schedule. (laughs) Then they have tough games. They talk about going at North Carolina. That's a game where I think the Tar Heels, you're looking for a dark horse in this conference, and they're probably picked to finish second. But still, picking them to win this conference, you may have, if you get a North Carolina team, they get 10 wins. We'll talk about Heisman, I'm sure, down the line. That quarterback from North Carolina, you get a 10-win team for North Carolina, maybe your Heisman Trophy winner right there. So, yeah, Miami is a team that I am looking to go under that total. That total in my book has dropped to nine for, for Miami, and the total for North Carolina has dropped to nine and a half. I would have no problem going under on Miami. That's one of my favorite plays in the SEC. North Carolina, 
If you get nine or ten wins, you get ten, you might be looking at a Heisman Trophy winner in that quarter. North Carolina, you talked about recruiting rankings. The way that Mac Brown is recruited has blown my mind. I mean, he has brought in some absolute studs from high school into his program over the last two years. So I still think – I don't know what they have at quarterback for next year because Sam Howell will not be there next year. But uh, they've got the recruiting class, especially this this coming into this season, was phenomenal. So they're going to continue to be strong as long as they can keep the answer at quarterback. They lose two running backs to the NFL draft. Both of them going to be playing significant, getting significant touches in week one in the NFL this year. That's usually a big deal. But they bring in Ty Chandler. He was the running back at Tennessee. You can look at Tennessee, and boy, the team was horrible. But there were some talented players, and Ty Chandler was one of those players. Uh, Tooto is the other one. He was a linebacker that went to Alabama. But Ty Chandler is a guy that, that should come in, and he should fill those voids right away for North Carolina to continue keeping them. I've got him at 10 wins personally. Um, but they're a team that I'm not confident about because I've, they're North Carolina, and it's football. So I'm just like, I'm not sold on their program yet, but I love, I like Mike Brown, and I love what he's done in recruiting. Sam Howell, I don't trust him, but everybody else seems to think he's going to be the best quarterback in college football this year. They're going to be, just like Iowa State, they're going to be favored 11 out of 12 this year. Hmm. The only team they're going to be an underdog to is when they go to Notre Dame. They don't have Clemson. And the teams that they have, some of these tough games, they're small favorites, kind of like Kentucky we'll talk about in a minute. They're small favorites. And to ask them to run the table on all these games where they're a three-point favorite, four-point favorite, that's just statistically kind of hard to do. So if you're looking overall at a team, yeah, they might have the Heisman Trophy winner in Sam Howell, but to tell me that they're going to go over nine and a half, I'm not completely confident in that. But I do think if anybody doesn't win this conference besides Clemson, it will definitely be North Carolina. If you have a college program that loses their starting quarterback, who was a Heisman candidate, the ACC's all-time leading rusher, and nine defensive, or excuse me, two defensive starters as well, where do you think they typically end up in a conference? Hey, down at the bottom, right? <laughs> That's right. Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers. They come in now. They've got sophomore quarterback DJ Uyangalole, I think is how you say that. Um, he played nine games last year, 66% passing, 914 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. So DJ comes in with a little bit of experience um, as a young quarterback and to a team that even though that they lost, they've got nine defensive starters returning. They've got a quarterback who has experience, even though they lost one of the better college quarterbacks of all time. Uh, I would say top 10 to 15 all-time college quarterbacks. And then ETN, losing ETN is a big deal for Clemson, too. This is a two-game season for Clemson. They have two mm. games. <laughs> they have the opener against Georgia week one, and then they have the ACC championship game, maybe against North Carolina at the end. Yep. If they lose them both, they won't make the playoffs. If they win one out of those two, they're in. Mm. It's a two-game season for Clemson. All the other games, they will be a 17-point favorite or higher. <laughs> so that means, yeah, exactly. So if your worst-case scenario is you're a 17-point favorite, that's a pretty good sign that you're going to be pretty good this season. Clemson definitely makes the playoff with a schedule with two games total. You know, it's interesting, and I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but you look at their side of the of the conference, Clemson's side of the conference, it's just not great. Uh, I like what Boston College is doing, but they're not going to compete against Clemson. Uh, NC State, there's a lot of people high on NC State to some degree. There's the, the win total is not huge for them, but there's just, I don't, you know, they're not going to challenge. Florida State, they're still a ways away. They're not going to challenge. Wake Forest, 
I really like Wake Forest this year. But again, they're not going to challenge Clemson. So you're exactly right. It comes down to game one against Georgia and the the ACC championship game. Ultimately for them, it's getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, they can kind of work it as a college basketball team. Let's just prepare for March. And so when we get there, we're ready to go. That's kind of what they're doing this season. You said North Carolina State, though, that, and they are one of my favorites of all the teams in this conference. They're sitting at six and a half wins. Mm-hmm. Going over that total, I, that's my favorite of all the bets in terms of win totals this conference, North Carolina State, to go over that six and a half. I've got them at eight wins. Uh, they've got a, a really good running back tandem, a great offensive line, a pretty good defensive secondary. Um, their quarterback, he was injured last year, but in his four games that he played last year, he looked good. David Dorian seems to be a good coach. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I like that one as well. Let's go to the uh, Big Ten. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, now, because there's a lot to talk about with the Big Ten. Of course, they're kicking off. They kicked off last week with the, uh, the barn burner, Illinois yes. and Nebraska. How'd you like those missed extra points, Mr. Over <laughs> Under 52 and a half? Yes. It was a, man, that game was so ugly. It was football, so it was nice. It counted for something, but boy, was it ugly. Uh, nonetheless, here we are. We're at uh, the Big Ten. There are one, two, three, four, five, six Big Ten teams with a win total of eight or more this season. Um, a lot of people are hyping up Penn State. I do not understand the hype on Penn State. Penn State's win total is at nine. I've got them at seven. Uh, what are your thoughts on Penn State, James Franklin, Sean Clifford, and what they're doing there in Pennsylvania? Did they lose Will Levis, though? But they lost <laughs> Will Levis, now Kentucky quarterback. Why are we even having this conversation? Because I saw that man eat a banana, a brown banana on a video, <laughs> which makes him the greatest quarterback in the history of football. That's an inside joke for uh, you separate Kentucky people out there. Uh, Penn State, do you really have faith in James Franklin? I guess that's the big question. Uh, because last year, they had a very disappointing season. Mm-hmm. They lost, I think, the first four games I think they lost last year. How do they come back after a season like that? I think they do. They have their quarterback coming back. But is this something where eight and a half you look to go over? I think that's a very good number. If I shade anyway in this, I would maybe shade the over, thinking they go nine and three. I guess the schedule is a little easier than it was last year. But, of course, this opener against Wisconsin may be a little bit tougher for them too. Definitely. Sean Clifford is a decent quarterback. People are hyping him up as one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I don't see it. Um, but he's also injury prone and they have nobody behind him. If they, if Clifford goes down, Penn State's losing a whole bunch of games. This they year. play a very rare, uh, interconference game against Auburn, third game of the season. Mm. Be very interesting to see kind of not maybe the best team in the SEC, but somebody's considered mediocre in the SEC right now. Just changed coaches. Just had some flux mm-hmm. and turmoil to go to Penn State and see how that Auburn team does it at Penn State. That'll be a very interesting game, uh, maybe a tape measure uh, to see who, which team and which conference has it this year, which doesn't. Yeah, the, they had Penn State had 17 turnovers last year. Nine of those 17 were the quarterback throwing interceptions, and he's supposed to be the savior for Penn State this year. Uh, let's talk Michigan, because <laughs> I was surprised that there's a lot of hype around Michigan. Their number's up to eight, according to DraftKings right now. 
and that's that's up from earlier this year when it was at seven and a half. Um, Jim Harbaugh has failed to get anything out of any of his quarterbacks. He's got Cade McNamara, the junior at quarterback this year. Um, I mean, what do we expect out of Michigan? Tough schedule. They go to Wisconsin. They go to Michigan State and Nebraska. You think maybe they will split with those because there's two tough ones. They also go to Penn State and they get uh, Ohio State at home. They also get Washington in a conference and non-conference game at home. Uh, you sit there and you say, Michigan, when are they going to come back? It ain't going to be this year. This is a seven and five team. They could be a lot better this year than they were last year, but that schedule is very difficult. When you play Ohio State and Washington at home and then have those road games, that's tough to sit there and say, you've got to give me eight wins to cover this. Yeah, I'll take the under on Michigan. That one, no problem. Yeah, that's a great point. They could play better, be better on the field, and still not have a better result than last this year. year uh, let's talk Indiana. A uh, friend of the podcast, Tom Allen, uh, he's got his quarterback back from injury, Michael Penix Jr., who only played six games last year before getting hurt. They have, uh, outside of maybe Ohio State, they have the best wide receiver core in, in the conference and probably a top five wide receiver core in the nation as well. They've lost some stuff on defense. That's really where it's going to be scary for them, and they've got to get the run game going for them. They're at seven and a half. Excuse me. They're up now to eight as well. And I've got them at nine wins, and you know, one extra win all of a sudden shifts things for Indiana again. the The question I have is outside of me because I'm a little biased because I really like Tom Allen. Um, uh, last year was it a fluke, or is it something they're going to come back to? It's all about one. It's about Penix. Yeah. Is he? Can he stay healthy? Because in his career, he has never stayed healthy. Mm. So you look at a school like Indiana who needs a guy like Penix. It's not like they have another five-star guy on the bench just waiting to come in for him because you saw what happened when he went down last year. This Indiana team, are they? you said it best. Are they a fluke? Are they not a fluke? Their road games this year, they go to Michigan. They go to Penn State. They go to Iowa. Those are probably three games they're not going to bring home. So can they sweep and go nine wins the rest of the year? Maybe eight against still a tough schedule. They get Ohio State at home as well. It's going to be close. This is what I wouldn't want to put any uh, pizza money on, so to speak. I would say I would go over and maybe stick eight and four, but I certainly don't see nine and three. What's more likely, eight or six? That's a tough call in Indiana. It's all about pennies. You're going to know what Indiana is this weekend. They play Iowa week one. Um, now, Iowa's being overhyped, in my opinion, this year as well. But uh, to me, Indiana is going to come out. They're going to show and one way or the other. You're going to know exactly what Indiana is by week one. Uh, what they accomplished against Iowa. I think they beat Iowa. I think the Penn State one's a toss-up. Uh, and I think they beat Michigan, because I don't think Michigan's as good as Indiana this year if everyone's healthy and COVID doesn't ravish the teams. If they go to Penn State and win, uh, all bets are off. They're going over. That's this is a that's a 9-10 win team if they yeah. go to Penn State and win. That's the toughest game on their schedule. I think, if I look at it, if I'm glancing at it right now, yeah, Penn State game is the toughest game on their schedule, other than the home game against Ohio State, which we're not right. counting. Against. Yeah, and, you know, when I talked to Coach Allen a few weeks ago, you know, I brought up Ohio State again, and I didn't hide it from him. I, You know, I don't think they win against Ohio State. Ohio State's too good. But, obviously, last year they were getting beat by, what, three scores, and they came back and made it a ball game. Now you come in healthy, and maybe from the get-go you're able to keep it closer and it'd be one of those block punts. Um, something crazy happens, something happens, and now you have an opportunity. So I'll be interested to see where they go with that. 
my favorite over, we're going to get to Wisconsin in just a minute and Iowa. My favorite over for the Big Ten is Rutgers. Um, I've got them at four uh, wins, and I've uh, that as their win total. I've got them at six wins this year. I think Shiano comes in uh, in year one back and uh, does something with this with this team. I think my favorite in this conference, Iowa under. I mean, yeah. it's just like, yeah. do they start slow this year because they got Indiana and then they go to Iowa State? They go zero and two of those, which they very well could. Now you're in trouble going the rest of the way. Yeah, this is a – they closed the year with six wins last year. That ain't happening this year. How long is it before they missed that strength and conditioning coach, too, that uh, they had a bunch of issues with? Yeah, this is uh, – they closed out very uh, – not this year. Under, big time on Iowa. Yeah. And those eight and a half wins. Iowa closed out the last season okay, but they started this season poorly <laughs> with all the drama that went on. I just can't imagine that they're just put it behind them and move on. That's why I think that Indiana beats them in week one. A lot of people have a ton of respect for Kirk Ferentz as a head football coach. Um, yeah, you, know, you know, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's, he is able to, to produce tight ends to go to the NFL. Yes. He's able to produce offensive linemen. And they still have those tight ends that stand straight up like they did uh, back <laughs> in the Hayden days. I, I never understood that. Why didn't anybody copy that? I don't know why. I just, I don't understand what all the hype about Iowa is. Their quarterback is not good at all. Um, you know, O-line's good. Running backs are good. Sure, they got some good defensive depth. But overall, I just think I've got them under as well. Uh, Iowa, let's see here, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a team that constantly underachieves. They come in with high expectations. They have a good team. They have good players. They've got, I think, a decent coach. He's 56 and 19 as, as head coach at Wisconsin. Um, you know, is Wisconsin a legit threat to Ohio State this year? Yes. I think they'll go over their total this year. I think this is a – Big, this is more about schedule, I think, yeah. for Wisconsin this year. All those games they get to flip around. They don't have Ohio State on their schedule. And you look at their road games, they get on the road, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, Minnesota. All winnable games. So the yes. schedule is really in, in uh, Wisconsin's favor. They do get Notre Dame in some kind of neutral site, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know. What, is that Lambeau Field? I don't know. what that, But it's quote, it might unquote, be a Lambeau, yeah. quote, unquote, neutral site. But, uh, yeah, those four road games. All winnable games. So Wisconsin has the benefit of the schedule. Team I like to go over the total this year. Northwestern, they get a lot of talk about their coach, Pat Fitzgerald. He's had opportunities to go to the NFL and has turned them down, or at least turned down the opportunities to interview for jobs and things like that. They've got uh, the transfer, Ryan Halinski, uh, that comes in at quarterback from South Carolina. Um, they've got a pretty low win total. I've got them at six and a half as their win total. Um, is there anything to worry about outside of I mean, who who outside of Wisconsin and Iowa on that side of the, the division is worth paying attention to? Well, it's not Northwestern. Okay. <laughs> uh, they have eight returning starters combined. They don't have their quarterback back. Yeah, they won the division last year. That's not happening this year. Uh, if you ask me one team in the Big Ten, I mean, if you say the dark horse to win the conference, I'm going to stick with Wisconsin because that's the team, the only team I see that could beat Ohio State in a – you know, in a championship game type thing. But if you're asking me who's going to be the most surprising team, might be Purdue. Yeah. Might be Purdue. You got a coach that might be on the hot seat, making $6 million a year. That might be the team that you look like. I see a five-win total. I have no problem seeing this team getting six, maybe seven wins. Yeah, I've got them at seven as well. They're one of the few programs that is planning on playing two quarterbacks that I actually think it might be okay 
<laughs> they know what they're doing with them. They have a reason for doing the two quarterback system. They got Jack Plummer, the junior, Aiden O'Connell, the senior, and they both have some experience. They both looked okay while they were out there, um, and they're going to be an exciting offense at the very least. You're exactly right. Jeff Jeff Brahms had opportunities to go elsewhere. He stayed where he's at, and, and uh, this might be the year he's able to put it together. All right. Uh, let's see here. Those are all the teams from the Big Ten, or, yeah, the Big Ten that I care to talk about <laughs> at this point. Let's jump over. Let's quickly touch on the, the Pac-12. Um, I do not see a legit contender out of the Pac-12. In terms of national championship. Correct. Playoffs. Playoffs. Even. Well, let's go back to the year Washington. Made, mm-hmm. And they were 12 and one. And who was sitting in the SEC? Georgia, a team that had lost two games on the year. They had lost the SEC championship game to Alabama in a close game. They had lost another game during the season. Now, if history tells us anything, a one loss Pac-12 team will get in before a team like Georgia that loses two games. Even if they lose, even if a team like Georgia loses by three to Clemson this weekend and by three to Alabama in the SEC championship game, history tells us that they'll take that one-loss Pac-12 champion over a team like Georgia. So in terms of if a dark horse to make the college football playoff, I always like to look at the Pac-12 because you're going to get good odds for these teams. I look at you know Oregon and Washington, USC, Arizona State. Any of those teams could win this thing. But if they have a 12-1 and record or better at the end, yeah, don't bet against them making the playoff. They very well could. I think the best team with the most likelihood of coming out of the Pac-12 eligible for the playoffs is Arizona State. They could. They could. But I, I think I'm more of a Washington guy this year. I think Washington still got it. They uh, had a coaching change last year. Excuse me. And uh, But I think that schedule really sets up for Washington to win this thing. And don't sleep on USC in this one either. So USC – Eventually, Clay Helton, who we kill on my show, being one of the worst coaches in the history of college football against the point spread, he's been awful. But it's, I, this is between USC and Washington to get uh, to this college football playoff, possibly as a one-loss team if they can sweep the Pac-12. See, I've got Utah and USC tied for second in their division with Arizona State winning the division. On the other side, I've got Oregon and Washington both at 10 wins. I think I think every team in the Pac-12 has at least two losses come come playoff time. And if they if they go to the conference championship game and each team has two losses, they're just playing that game for the gamblers and the families at that point because <laughs> there's no need to bother if you're worried about a playoff spot because it's been gone long gone before that game even started. Chip Kelly's at UCLA uh, hasn't been able to put it together yet. It's his fourth year there now. Um, yeah, I mean, is he ever going to be what he was in Oregon? Ask me that Monday because they have a big game against LSU and uh, they're a three-point dog in that one. And if you watched them last week against Hawaii, you can look at it two ways. Boy, they look great. Boy, they were playing Hawaii. So it was which way do you look at it? I think UCLA had a chance in this one this weekend. Uh, It's kind of a pros versus Joes game because the public walks in and says, oh, LSU, of course, I'm going to take them over UCLA. How come this line's only three then? And this line's been dropping. It was four earlier this week. Now it's sitting at three. Let's look at UCLA. I'm with UCLA in this one. Getting a getting a field goal out in California. LSU also, they're kind of uh, the hurricane has put them into a little bit of a buzz this week. So they're not very stable. Good spot for UCLA if you can get more than three especially. Interesting. Who's the most surprising team in the Pac-12 this year? 
Well, I would say Washington, but I, you might be looking at a Colorado team. Right? There like you go. Colorado, maybe we're not looking at maybe a championship no, 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 team, no. but a team that will over exceed these expectations. You've got a coach that probably should have been coach of the year in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, the team is better, but, uh, you know, the schedule kind of holds them back. But this is a, this could be a six-win team this year. They do have a couple of cupcakes on that schedule, Northern Colorado, people like that. They do get Texas A&M. We'll put them in their place. But I see, you know, the desert says four, four and a half. I'll see a six-win team uh, for Colorado this year. That's exactly where I've got it. Six wins. they got a respectable defense. You got a great run game. You nailed it, though. Tough schedule along the way. They're going to have to win one or two that they weren't necessarily supposed to win this season to get to that six wins, but I think it's doable for them. I also like Stanford. They've got a low win total at four, and David Shaw, I think, is just too good of a coach for this program to continue to struggle so much. Best two coaches in America against <laughs> the point spread. Not no, we have, oh, Saban and Dabo Sweden. Oh, they're great. They're they're good against the point spread, but they're not the best. The best. Mike Gundy, don't go mistake. <laughs> he's, he's a man. A, he's a man. He's 40. <laughs> I think he's about 51, 52 now. But, and David Shaw at Stanford. You looking for a game you want to go on this week? I love Stanford getting three at Kansas State. One of those noon kickoffs might be a little uh, groggy. Mm-hmm. The kids are waking up. But Stanford, they're smart. They, they don't, they, yeah, they're not staying out as late, as late as some of these other teams. So, yeah, Stanford love David Shaw because he's so annoyingly conservative. And that's what keeps him close in these games, especially when, the, when he's an underdog. I'll take Stanford big this week. Love them. But, yes, I'll go over the four, like you said. All right. Let's transition to the SEC, the greatest football conference there is. And uh, excited about what's ahead. Big game tonight, of course, going on right now. But uh, if you're listening to us on Unhinged Radio, you're listening to us on Friday. So, we won't talk too much about the game tonight because we don't want to be too wrong. So, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. so we'll hold off on that. But <laughs> like in the Simpsons, my favorite team is the Atlanta Falcons. They put the beer in front of them. They have no chance against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's how it could hear me there. But you had to see that one, folks. Uh, go back and watch it on YouTube. Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk about the East Division in the SEC, which is Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, South Carolina. And some place called Vanderbilt, I didn't realize they played football there. But uh, Georgia is an interesting team, right? Because everyone, again, high expectations. I think this might be the best roster Georgia's had in quite some time. My downfall with Georgia always comes back to Kirby Smart. I think he's been the problem coaching-wise, not recruiting-wise. He's done a great job recruiting. But I feel like his it's his coaching that's been the problem uh, in Georgia. JT Daniels, the quarterback. There's no excuses at this point in time. Everybody's healthy. It's his time to shine. There was a great story on ESPN.com, I think it was uh, Thursday, today, uh, about 40 years of frustration for Georgia football ever since the Herschel Walker 1980 National Championship season. Uh, Buck Ballou, the quarterback, Lindsey Scott, the great catch. As someone who lived in Atlanta for 20-plus years, someone who still has Atlanta ties, they still harken back to that year, that 1982. So much has changed, but nothing has changed in Georgia. They still recruit the best players throughout the 90s, the 2000s, under Vince Dooley, Ray Goff, Jim Donnan. I mean, they always were top five in recruiting, and they never could live up to the expectations of those recruiting classes. Nothing has changed under Kirby Smart. Mark Rick, they had top five recruiting classes almost every single year, but they never could get over the hump. They never could 
really established themselves as a national champion type team. And I fear that's going to happen again this year. Because like we said earlier, are they going to beat Clemson in this first game? Do they have the better quarterback? I don't know. And people are hyping JT Daniels as the Heisman candidate from Georgia and a great quarterback. Is he better than the Clemson quarterback? I'm not to- totally convinced of that. Yeah, I don't think so. Are they going to the SEC championship game to play Alabama? Are they going to win that game? It's very debatable, and it's very possible this team loses two or more this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see a 9-3 and three type team. And a lot of people are saying undefeated. A lot of people are saying a lot of crazy things about Georgia. But history tells us, and last year, they they had Alabama. They were better than Alabama in the first half. They were playing a walk-on quarterback yeah. who would not play. He was in a one-double-A when wasn't they were playing there two years before. He was If they were a quarterback short last year, are they a quarterback short this year? We're going to find out. I don't think they are. That's just me because history tells us Georgia finds a way, as cliche as it sounds, to not get it done. <laughs> Man, a 9-3 and three season, I think Athens would burn. Um, Kirby Smart, I've got them losing game one to Clemson. And then after that, I have them winning out the regular season. But when it comes to the SEC championship game, I'm just not sure yet. Alabama, the defensive line and the offensive line that they put on the field every year is just absolutely incredible. Then you add the receiver talent that they've had. Um, but you know, you're replacing receivers, replacing quarterback, you're replacing running back. And yes, a program like Alabama can do that, and I think Alabama is going to be really good this year. Georgia, to me, though, this is the, this is the opportunity. This might be Kirby Smart's last chance at Georgia to do something special because if he goes nine and three, he's not surviving the nine and three. Season. No, but I think anything <laughs> two losses or less, he sticks around because he played at Georgia. Yeah. So, well, who are you going to get to replace him? Exactly, and that's you know when you hear any coach, that's what you have speculation. That's what you have to think. Yeah. But I'm, am I saying Georgia's going to lose three? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I think three losses is more possible than zero losses. Gotcha. Is what I'm saying. They do go to Auburn. They do have Florida all the time. So it's not like they don't have games after this Clemson game, but right. they will be favored every game the rest of the way after Clemson. Yeah. Um, Florida is really the only team that can challenge. I don't think Florida will challenge Georgia this year. I don't, I'm not sold. I do like Emory Jones, the quarterback. Um, I don't love Dan Mullen. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of respect for him. I don't I don't understand Dan Mullen. I do. Okay. I have a lot of respect for Mullen because he covers point spreads. Whether it was at <laughs> Mississippi State or here in Florida, he is a cash cow. He is the best coach in the SEC against the spread. And that includes Nick Saban. So when I think of Dan Mullen, I think a guy who cashes tickets for me out in the desert. Now, that's so when we talk Mike Gundy and David Shaw and a guy like Mullen, they aren't considered the best coaches in the real world right. where everybody else is. But to those who can't handicap games, a lot of times these are the guys that you look at because history tells us that they're good. But I am going to agree with you. Florida is my favorite bet in the SEC. Let's go under on that Florida total. Uh, you've got a new quarterback, like you said, but he's a totally different style than yes. Kyle Trask. There's going to be right. a running, kind of more running. Kyle Trask was more of a dropback guy. This guy's going to run a lot more. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you just lost possibly the best tight end of the history of college football, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And you got Alabama, you got Georgia, and you go to LSU. So if you're telling me I've got to go nine wins with Florida and I've got those three, and that means I have to run the table just to tie. Yeah, I'm going to go under all day long. This is my favorite bet in the SEC, under nine for the Gators this year. One thing I like about Florida this year is they have lower expectations, I feel like, nationally. 
people aren't talking about them because they're talking about Georgia so much and because they lost Kyle Trask. They're kind of just, you know, they're still being respectful to Florida, but they're not hyping Florida, which is always an opportunity then for you to fly under the radar and surprise some teams during the year. The rest of the East Division, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, they're not going to compete this year for the division. Although we live in a wacky sports market in Lexington, Kentucky, and I have heard more people in the last week say Kentucky's going to win 10 or 11 games. And I was there going, you have got to be where kidding me. Where did you me. hear 10 or 11? Where did, I, where I'm did not going to name names, but they are, they're on, they're on podcasts. They're on guys that host shows, things like that. Uh, most of the uh, newspaper writers are sticking around the seven to eight wins. Uh, but there are guys this week that are getting so excited about Kentucky football. They're saying 10 wins. 11 wins, they're going to win the East, they're going to be second in the East, whatever it may be. And you sit there and you look at Kentucky's schedule, there's there's just no way. There's a three-game stretch for them. They're not going to win a game in that three-game stretch, in my opinion, between a very tough set of opponents that are all back-to-back-to-back. That's going to make it hard for them uh, to, to hit anything too far. They're over at seven wins. Let me tell you what the desert said. Not these crazy people on these podcasts. <laughs> Not these th- people with the three-letter show uh, across town from my show. Yeah, let's not talk. He's talking about KSR, yeah, for the I, record. I can't really say them, I don't think. <laughs> I've been told by management never to refer to them on the air. Maybe on this podcast, I should say the three-letter, not say the three-letter fanboys, <laughs> political wannabes across town. But you look at Kentucky's schedule. So you say seven. So you're telling me to win. This wager of over seven wins, you have to get eight games. Okay, I'll give you your three cupcakes, but you're going to give me Florida, LSU, and Georgia. Okay, so we're three and three now. Right. You're looking at these games now, and I'm going to tell you what the desert says about these. They're going to be less than a field goal favorite against Missouri. They're going to be just barely a field goal favorite at South Carolina. They're going to be a over a touchdown underdog at Mississippi State. People are chalking that game up as, oh, Kentucky's got that. Mike Leach, mm-hmm. oh, no. The desert says Kentucky is going to be a sizable dog in that game. And then you have, ten, hey, your Tennessee team, hey, it's going to be a three to a four-point favorite is what the desert says when Kentucky up here. And then Louisville, they've already said it's a toss-up. It's a one-point game. Kentucky's a one-point favorite. So you're telling me to lose, or excuse me, to win, to go over seven. You've got to run the table in those games. Mm-hmm. And whether you put Team A and Team B in there instead of Kentucky and Missouri, it's very statistically not in your favor to say that Kentucky's going to win all those games where the desert tells you those games are barely more than toss-ups. Yeah, and I think by the time you get to Kentucky-Tennessee, you're going to realize Tennessee is going to push over this year. They're not going to be great. They're not going to push for the division, anything like that. To me, Tennessee and Kentucky are at the exact same spot when it comes to your wins, where they're at, how many games they're going to win this season. They're in that six to seven range. And, all, and whoever wins that game gets seven wins. Whoever loses that game gets six wins. And, I disagree with that. It's a yeah. very good point by that point. And you talked me into this a little bit. Because at first, <laughs> you look at Tennessee, they have 20-whatever people in the transfer portal. They lost all these great players. New coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're the only team in America that says they have a new at all those four spots, head coach, coordinators, and quarterback. They're the only team in America that has – Completely new people at those four spots. So immediately they think, oh, they're going under for sure. But then you look at the talent they have. They, they brought in a quarterback mm-hmm. who's going to be probably as good, if not better, than the Kentucky quarterback. If you believe all these ratings and stuff, 
I'm with you now on the Tennessee over. You sit there at six. I would favor the over before I favor the other. What's more likely, five or seven? I would say so. Yeah, and I don't fanboy over Tennessee anymore. There was a time in my life I did. But as I've gotten into sports talk, I've, I've learned to go neutral on some of these things. I still Packers. I still lean, lean that way at the Packers. But outside of that, I feel like I've been able to go pretty neutral on stuff. Tennessee, Hypo, and again, maybe he regresses next year. But I think year one under him is, is going to be a decent year for Tennessee. Joe Milton, the quarterback, he comes over from Michigan. Everybody goes, oh, he's horrible. He stinks. Tell me when the last time a quarterback succeeded under Jim Harbaugh. Now you're going to see him in a different system, one that is super quarterback friendly. And I think a lot of people are going to go look at Jim Harbaugh after the season and go, why didn't he play like that in Michigan when he's playing that way uh, there in Tennessee? So they're winning right now, by the way, against Bowling Green. They're all on their way to covering that 39-point uh, uh, spread. But uh, you know, when I look at Kentucky's schedule, again, they, they beat uh, Louisiana Monroe here week one. Uh, they beat Chattanooga week three. That Missouri, South Carolina, I'd like to think they beat South Carolina. I'm not sure they beat Missouri. And I'm not a huge Missouri fan on that either. Uh, let's see here. Missouri this year, I've got them going six wins. Uh, Second-year coach, they've got a returning quarterback. They've had time to work and practice where they didn't have that time last year. New defensive coordinator with Steve Wilkes. There's good things happening if they can get consistent. So to me, it's not it's not a give me there. Then you look down Mississippi State and Tennessee. They could split that, or they could lose both of those games. I'm not a, a leech guy at Mississippi State. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in him either. As a matter of fact, Mississippi State uh, is one of my bigger unders that I have this year. I have them and Ole Miss both going under. But nonetheless, uh, there's that. They should beat New Mexico State. What about the Louisville game at the end of the year? Toss-up game. Complete toss-up game. The desert tells us when they came out with the look-ahead lines, that was a one-point game. So if you look for me, whatever that – if you told me right now you're going to give me Louisville in three, I would take that immediately because I know I had the better quarterback on the field at Cunningham. And I also know I've got a home field advantage. I also know probably at the end of the year you've got a coach fighting for his job. Probably might need that game a little bit more. They didn't. These two teams didn't play last year. And Kentucky coming off all these SEC games, will they really want to play Louisville? If they uh, have a season uh, that does not live up to these seven, eight win expectations, maybe not. I would take Louisville the points in that one, even right now, if I could find it. I'm not sold that Louisville has the better quarterback. I'm not arguing that you're wrong. I'm just not sure on it yet. It's one of those things where less has he really had the opportunity to show what he has. That's, how could you argue either way? Basically, right. You know? right. Yeah. Liam yeah. Cohen comes in as the offensive coordinator. If he truly brings in the system from the Rams, and brings in because that system, by the way, works. The Falcons made the Super Bowl. The 49ers made the Super Bowl. The Rams made the Super Bowl. The Packers made the uh, the conference championship game. The system works. So if he's going to bring that in, ideally, if it doesn't work, then you know it's the quarterback's fault and not not the offensive coordinator's fault. So I don't know anything about Will Levis as a player. Uh, Terry Bowden said uh, in, in our interview with him, he said he didn't say it this way but they fear his mobility more than they fear his arm. He's got a strong arm, but they fear him more as an athlete than they do as a quarterback. And so you're not going to know even after this Louisiana Monroe game what Will Levis is. You're just not going to know. You're going to know after the Missouri game. You're not going to know it after the Louisiana Monroe game because they should blow out Louisiana Monroe. Now, if they don't blow out Louisiana Monroe, all kinds of questions. But nonetheless. Will Levis, real quick. Yeah. He started one game last year. Yeah. And uh, for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Penn State was ranked seventh in the preseason. They went four and five last year. 
He started one game. They were one-point favorite in that game against Iowa. They were down 31-7 when he was pulled from that game. That tells me a lot about Will Levis. That kind of paved his way out of town, if you know what I mean. Yeah. One start, and they were a one-point favorite, toss-up type game, and they were down 24 points when he was pulled for the game. And the backup quarterback came in and threw two touchdowns immediately in the third quarter. Yep, I'm just I'm not in or out on him yet. I got to see him play. I see him in this system. Uh, they've got talented players at Kentucky. They've done a good job recruiting. They've just not been able to put it together at this point. They had the one 10 win season, but three years ago now. Then the, the next year for that, they had injuries galore. They ended up running Lynn Bowden all over the place and got the last few wins there of the season. Last year, major disappointment. So they get rid of the offense coordinator. They bring in Liam Cohen, bring in a new quarterback. They run Joey Gatewood out of town, <laughs> all these kinds of things. So I, I'm just, I, I'm truly going to wait and see when it comes to Kentucky's offense right now because they've got a great offensive line. They've got a great run game. We just don't know how they're going to mix the pass game into it. Only six teams in college football had more NFL players in the draft mm. than Kentucky did this past year. Yeah. You're asking a team like Kentucky, who only won four games last year, went four and six in the regular season. You're asking a team that lost all these players in the NFL now to come back and be better this year. That's a tough task, if you ask me. Because eventually, all losing all that talent, even no matter if you caught them coming up, if you're, if you're Alabama, you can do it. If you're Kentucky, not so much. Well, the transfer portal changes this to a degree. Uh, and now Kentucky didn't do a ton in the portal necessarily. They bring in a quarterback. They bring in an offensive lineman. They bring in other help, too. They bring in a receiver as well. So you bring these guys in. It does change how quickly – you can replace those guys that get drafted. But do they get the right guys to fill those voids or not? That's the question that's left to be seen. Here locally in Kentucky, You know, people are just going nuts again. They think it's going to be just this phenomenal season. And it very well may. I, I can see them getting eight wins if everything works out perfectly. Um, I just I go with six wins because when's the last time, other than three years ago, before that, when was the last time everything went perfectly for Kentucky? It, it just hasn't fallen that way. Well, we are the minority around here. I can we promise you definitely. that because everything I hear, when I say, I give the same number, six wins. Yeah, it's it doesn't fall very – it doesn't uh, – <laughs> people don't like to hear the truth sometimes, if you yes. know what I mean. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit nicer about it when I present it, <laughs> but yeah. Again, the cheap shots yeah. is over enough. <laughs> um, let's go to the West. Uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. He's one of the higher-paid coaches in the uh, SEC. He has not done anything yet to really merit that that pay raise. Uh, you know, what are they? Are they legit? Are they contenders? They recruit well. I know that. <laughs> A&M has been right there, top five recruiting classes since uh, Jimbo got there. But it's the thing about they can they get past Alabama. And if yeah. they're ever going to do it, this is the year because they get them at home. Alabama's going to come in their favor. But all the rest of these games that they have, other than maybe, maybe at LSU, every other game on their schedule is a winnable game. And it's not one that you look at and you say, wow, this is such a tough schedule. No, they've got cupcakes. They've got their toughest uh, SEC games at home this year, other than LSU. This is a team that if it's, if it's going to happen for them, this is the year. And all these pundits say, well, if Alabama's going to lose one, it's going to be to A&M. But the new quarterback, are you really believe in Kellen Mond last year? I wasn't a big, huge <laughs> believer, but he did produce last year. We'll see what they have coming up with their new quarterback. But A&M over nine and a half wins, I think is the number. Mm -hmm. Yes, nine and yep. a half. 
that's a tough call for me. I don't think I could go over nine and a half or eight. Yeah, I don't trust them. You know, Bryce Young, the quarterback for Alabama, is the only college football quarterback to make more money than Johnny Manziel made in college. And so, and so, here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Money. Um, Alabama is going to be too good. I think Alabama's undefeated. I think they lose ultimately to Clemson again in the, the championship. Bryce Young is what it all comes down to for Alabama. They've got plenty of other players to fill the voids elsewhere. Um, A&M just doesn't have it. You look at that schedule, though, the first five games, they're going to be double-digit favorites. Yeah. Easy in both first five. And then they'll bring in Alabama. They'll be 5-0. and oh, And here comes the ESPN game day. They'll be sitting in, in uh, College Station, Texas. Yep. And they'll sit there, and they'll this will be their season, that Alabama game, game six, because they're going to run the table these first five. Auburn brings in a new coach. They bring back a quarterback that uh, grossly underwhelmed last year in Bo Nix. They actually have an LSU transfer that might get some playing time, TJ Finley. TJ Finley's going to be kicking himself for leaving LSU because he'd be starting right now at LSU. No questions uh, about that. But nonetheless, new coach, solid defense, good running backs, really tough schedule for Auburn. Um, seven wins is where their total is. I've got them under, but I think that's a program that you're going to see improvement in again. And I think you're going to see them rise over the next couple of years. Really tough schedule. Yeah. They, they go to Penn State. They uh, they have Georgia. They have Alabama. And then they also have to go to Texas A&M. That's an unwinnable game. And they have to go to LSU. So immediately you're looking at five games. They're going to be touchdown plus underdogs yeah. in all those games. So to sit there and say, well, this is a seven-win team, you're telling me they have to run the table, kind of like Kentucky, they have to run the table in all the games they're supposed to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll take the under seven of that. Uh, LSU, they've got major quarterback questions. Mac Johnson's starting, but he was planned to be like the third-string quarterback before Finley left and, and the other guy got injured. You know, Ed Orgeron's one of these just great stories, uh, fun guy, all that kind of stuff. But last year was so miserable for them. And everybody said, oh, it's okay. They can have a down year. They just had one of the greatest football seasons ever with one of the quarterbacks that had the greatest quarterback season ever. Um, I mean, are they going to inch back closer this year, or are they going to be a disappointment again this year? As tough a team to handicap as there is, mm-hmm. is LSU. Because, you know, last year at the very end of the season, they only had one player starting that started in the national championship game the year before. <laughs> so how do you gauge those two seasons? You can't. And when you see Mississippi State beat them in the opener by so many points at home, you knew something was wrong from the beginning of that season. The most difficult team to handicap is LSU. I think they struggle this week with UCLA on the road. We talked about that. Uh, but it's something where if you tell me eight and a half, yeah, they're going to weasel their way into eight or nine wins. This is the one team where I look at you, I say, if they won six, I wouldn't be surprised. If they won 11, I wouldn't be surprised. So this That's how fluctuating the LSU team could be this year, in my opinion. That's that's just Yeah, I've got them in eight wins. Again, I don't gamble, but I would not not, not bet on that for sure. What they're going to be this year. And you'll see a lot this, this week against UCLA. I think UCLA has a chance to win this game. I would I'd put a little pizza money on the money line in that one. For you, Boy. for those of you so inclined out there. Yes. If Orgeron loses to UCLA, it's going to get ugly really fast down there. I was there. reading something today where he's he, of all the SEC coaches, he's the one on the hot seat. Hmm. He just won a national championship. That's mm-hmm. the, he's a modern-day Gene Chizik right there. You know, I don't think Orgeron's ever had the true backing of a university. 
Um, he's he got the the interim coach job. The players absolutely loved him. They were they had no other option but to hire him after the season where he was the interim. I mean, you look at USC; they had an opportunity to to, to hire him. They didn't because he couldn't speak Californian. Uh, comes back, ends up doing great at LSU, but I don't think LSU. I don't think the the brass truly gets behind Ed Orgeron. And then last year. After his divorce, there were pictures and different things, and it didn't help help the matters either. Um, you know, with him. Yeah, you forget Ole Miss fired him. Yeah, uh, you know, ten years ago, Ole yeah. Miss said, "Hey, get, <laughs> we don't want you're not winning enough games. Get out of here." And then they brought in another cheater who came in and cheated even worse. <laughs> so that's another story too. But hey, if Orgeron gets fired at Ole Miss and then goes on to win a national championship, who's right? Who, right. You know, and then he gets fired at LSU potentially. Yeah, who was right in the first place? But you're right, the USC thing, when he took over for Kiff, Kiffin on the airport runway yep. that one time, that, yeah, I, I still think if they had kept Orgeron and not got this Clay Health guy who can't cover a spread to save his life, <laughs> they would have been much better off. That's just me. I digress. Uh, and the next coming years, we don't know exactly when yet, Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. Um, you look at the coaches right now in the SEC, Kirby Smart, uh, Dan Mullins, you can throw Stoops in there if you want to. Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Orgeron, uh, Kiffin, Mike Leach, those kinds of guys. Now you're going to add Ryan Day, or not Ryan Day, but Lincoln Riley and uh, Sarkeesian from Texas. You know, I look at some of these teams. Georgia's the one that I look at. I mentioned this on our SEC preview. One of the reasons why they need to win this year is because when Oklahoma joins the conference, it's going to be that much harder for Georgia to win. When Texas, see, ideally Texas will come back around. Who knows if they will how long it'll take them, all those kinds of things as well. But things are only going to get harder in the SEC and not easier. I'm very interested to see how they do this because I, I the thing that I've read that made the most sense is kind of do it like pods of yep. geographical pods to where, you know, it would be Texas A&M, Texas, LSU, and Oklahoma in one group or Arkansas instead of LSU. Yep. And then do it, you know, in Kentucky would be with you – know, Tennessee, Vandy, Missouri, which would be one of the <laughs> nicest schedules you could come up with yeah. for a football team. But you know, it's it's going to be very because you have sixteen teams, you can't yeah. play all the teams once a year. So how are they going to schedule this? How are they going to split them up, so to speak? I think that's the biggest key going forward. But I'm with you. I think it hurts. It hurts the Georgias, but it hurts the Vandys and the Kentuckys and the Missouris and South Carolina a little bit more because now that window of opportunity just shrunk even more. Yeah. And if you're a team like Kentucky, you need every break you can get. And then with Texas and Oklahoma in town, those that chance got just a little bit less. Yeah. Vanderbilt's hanging on by baseball and the occasional decent basketball season. They're not there for football. Clark Lee, the head coach there, comes over from Notre Dame. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a bandy guy as well. I mean, they're going to be horrible this year. Um, I don't know that you can win at Vanderbilt. Well, I think you need. I think Jake Cutler went six and six one year and uh, <laughs> almost beat Florida. I think yeah. that's the uh, that's the best that they have. That's the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when I sit there and look at Vandy, you got a returning quarterback, you got starters coming back, but it's like Jim Valvano uh, was getting uh, recruited to coach at uh, Bucknell one time. They only won one game before you know he came on as coach. He goes, "Well, we," but the athletic director told him, "But well, we've got everybody coming back." So even the guy with no thumbs, yeah, he's back too. So does it really matter if you've got everybody coming back, if they all stink to begin with? That's Vandy football in a nutshell right there. Yeah, three and a half wins. Can you, Do you dare go with four with that team? No. Nope. You have to be a brave soul if you do, yes. They've got a relatively easy schedule and still. 
I would not go over yes. three on there. All right, quickly, we've got about three minutes left. Uh, Heisman candidates, uh, who are you looking at? Who you like in the Heisman race? Well, anybody could pick the favorites. I mean, but I, I'm looking at two guys that you get double digit odds. We talked about Sam Howell, North Carolina. If this is a 10 win team, you've got it with Sam Howell, the 10 and two quarterback at a quarter of 14 to one right now in the desert. And I'll give you a big dark horse in the SEC. Okay. Over. Let's go down to Oxford, Mississippi. Matt Corral. You're sitting at 20 plus to one right now. You see <laughs> Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. We didn't talk about them. They're one of my favorites to go over their win total this year. And the, probably in the SEC, the one team that I like to go over more than anybody is Ooh. Ole Miss. You see Matt Corral putting up those points last year. Yeah. Don't forget, Ole Miss put up 39 points a game last year, including 49 against Alabama. Yeah. So it's not like this team can't put up points. If you get an 8-4 Ole Miss team, and Matt Corral putting up a bunch of Lane Kiffin-type numbers, he's going to get Heisman consideration. So you want Sam Howell if North Carolina gets 10 wins, but you're looking for a stat monster, Matt Corral. There you go. Ole Miss quarterback, your deep, dark sleeper for a Heisman trophy. You heard it here first, Vince Stover. Nobody believes me. No one agrees with me. I got Ole Miss with five wins this season. Oh, I'll, there's a bucket of pride <laughs> on that one, Vince Stover. I'll, we'll go over that one all day long. Like, hey, they all, they're all vaccinated. What more do you want? There you go. Oh, gosh. Uh, I got two Heisman hopefuls, dark horses for you. Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. uh, If he stays healthy. And then Michael Penix Jr. in Indiana. Again, if they win everything but Ohio State, he's a guy that's, that's, you know, got a chance. Definitely is. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, Brad Taylor, host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor on ESPN Radio Lexington, 92.5 and 1300. You can hear them if you're local on the radio. If you're not local, you can still tune in uh, through the website, which is WLXG.com. I listen to it on TuneIn. I know your bosses probably don't want that, but you can hear them on TuneIn tune in app as well. Uh, as long as you listen, right? Uh, tell the folks where they can find you on social media. At Bottom Line Lex, uh, my show, The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We have Vince Stover on there uh, from time to time. He's always great. and We always appreciate his time. Just like uh, we're thankful uh, that he let us come on his show tonight. Thank you. Now, it's a lot of fun to have Brad on. Before I got into my own show, I was uh, on Brad's podcast several times before he was on the radio here. And uh, it was always a good time there as well so make sure you follow brad on social media of course we'll tag him in our posts of this episode as well Uh, i want to remind you that today's episode is presented by law terrain watches and accessories and uh, make sure you go to law dash terrain that's t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e dot com and use the the code sports stove you're going to get 10 percent off your purchase these watches are sleek they're stylish they look sharp uh, they've got some uh, some big names tagged to them as well. So make sure you go visit law-terrain.com. And uh, and we're going to try to get the owner on one of these days. He's a Kentucky guy. Uh, so we're going to get him on here at some one of these days. Maybe he got the local hour. Thank you to all those that tuned into the local hour. We had our first uh, podcast drop on Wednesday. And it is already the third most listened to downloaded podcast from the last 30 days of our episodes. So we're excited about uh, that and a lot there. A lot of good stuff. We had Terry Bowden. And Walt Wells, the EKU coach, and uh, on there this week, and a lot of good stuff there. So we'll drop that on Wednesdays. Then uh, we're going to be live on Instagram uh, at EKU Games at their home games as well. So if you're into that kind of stuff, 
we will be there. All right, next week I'm on vacation, so good luck listening to me. We're going to drop some best of episodes for you next week. We'll be live again in two weeks. Uh, there's Brad. Thanks for us, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until we'll see you around the sports stove.